Well, uh, many of you have been asking, so I want to let you know. As a matter of fact, I've got a little uh, button here. Um, I guess it's called a button. I'm not sure what you call these things nowadays, but uh, our student minister, Destin Garner, and his wife, Jamie, many of you have been praying for them, and I get, I get text and calls and emails every day uh, because, of course, their baby Sanders, uh, born just about seven or eight weeks ago, uh, had a serious heart defect and could not live uh, with, could not live or sustain life on her own. And so the prognosis was pretty bleak, but uh, God provided a heart uh, this week. And Sanders now, her, she's got a new heart that's for being brand. And uh, you'll hear more about the story in the future, but it, it really is a miracle. It, it truly is a miracle. Uh, usually at that age, it, it does, just doesn't happen. And um, so God sustained her uh, through that time. And so we're still not, she'll still be in the hospital for weeks and weeks. But just wanted to let you know uh, so that you could give praise. Uh, also, <clears throat> you took a survey. Most of you took a survey. And so uh, I want to just very briefly tell you about uh, the survey. And also want to let you know as we talk about believing, belonging, becoming, and beyond. We're doing uh, becoming today. And that's what we'll, the sermon will be about. Uh, we want to challenge you. You should have a card like this that maybe you picked up. If not, maybe it's in the front of the seat. And it says next step. And I really want to challenge you uh, to consider what will be your next step in your journey of faith. If you really want to see Christ do something in your life, make an impact, uh, I want to challenge you to consider what's going to be your next step. So, for example, my next step is going to be uh, I have a, a, another neighbor that I'm uh, matter of fact, having a difficult time communicating because they're, they're not around as much right now, but um, I'm committing to share the gospel with them uh, in the next 60 days. And so that's my prayer that I'm praying for them each day, and that's my next step. So I don't know what your next step may be. It might be for you to become a believer. It might be for you to share your faith. It might be to belong uh, here or somewhere else to become, to be on, whatever God is calling you to do. I want you to think about that and to just write that in there. And you take this home. We, we don't need this. This is for you. Uh, but consider what is God calling you and what is he calling your next step to be. And so we encourage you uh, to do that. With the survey, uh, we found a few things. First of all, uh, we found out uh, that most of you felt like uh, our, uh, many of our ministries were very strong, particularly our, our children and our student ministry, <coughs> worship. Um, also that uh, our church had a high regard for the authority of Scripture and uh, are thankful for that. Uh, but then there were some things you're either confused or felt like, you know what, there's, here's some areas that we need more help, we need assistance in. One of those was marriage, and so we want to make sure you know we have a full-time marriage minister. Matter of fact, Brian and Edie Sanders, and uh, that they're here full-time uh, because we believe this is so important and this is the email address. If you have any questions, there's something called re-engage going on right now, which is to strengthen marriages going on on a weekly basis, something you can be a part of. And there are tons of other things that you can get involved with, and they can direct you and help you. So we want to encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity because that was one of the things that was mentioned in the survey. Another one uh, was parenting. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you a sheet of resources uh, on things that will help you. And you're going to have, we're going to, we've had classes before. We'll continue to offer classes uh, about parenting, and then I'm going to show you some resources. Uh, another one was apologetics, and uh, I'm going to be talking about that 
uh, a little bit next week. Uh, and we've offered a lot of apologetic classes. And uh, I'm going to give you some resources here in just a moment that will help you with that as well. And then sharing the gospel and sharing your faith. And you'll be hearing more about that in the future. Those are things that you asked about. Uh, there are a lot of things uh, requested, but those were four that really jumped off the page. And we want you to know we want to try to address that. So I want to start right now by giving you a resource sheet. Now, I have this sheet right up here in front if you want to come grab a copy. Are there some in the back as you leave at the guest desk? You can go by there. But I want to go ahead and give you theirs and just understand them for just a moment. Uh, here, First of all, devotional says we're talking about becoming today. Here are some ways that, uh, here are some tools to help you become uh, the believer Christ Jesus wants you to be. The first one is one I, I recently picked up and I'm doing right now. It's called Through the Bible, Through the Year, Daily Reflections from Genesis to Revelations by John Stott. Now, uh, last year we read through the scripture, uh, but this is an, a little bit simpler way. This is just about a four-minute version, okay, because he goes all the way through the Bible, but he'll just give a key verse each time for like each chapter, and then he'll give some insight and understanding and a devotional thought, and so it's an excellent resource. You can do this in about five minutes, and it would take you all the way through the scripture. As a matter of fact, I'm encouraging my son to go through this as well. And I think it's an excellent, excellent tool. And again, that's John Stotts through the Bible through the year. My utmost for his highest, um, if you've been a believer for a while, I really, really want to challenge you to go through this at least one time. I think this is the greatest devotional ever written. My favorite, uh, just powerful, uh, lots of meat. Uh, probably not the place for a brand new Christian to start, but nevertheless, soon, soon after, uh, I would really challenge you. If you say, you know, I, I want a little more, this would be a great one to use. Websites. Um, I, I would wish that every one of you would uh, get on this website and just tell them you want the, the newsletter each day. And what it does, it sends you, every day they'll send you uh, what's going on in the world, the current events, what's happened that day. If there was you know, if there was some kind of act of terrorism, if there was something that Congress approved, if there's a bill coming out, uh, if there's something that's happened that's notable that the world's taking notice of, or if something's happened in the United States, it's front page news, it's going to be on there, and you're going to get a biblical worldview understanding. And how do we respond as Christians? I think it's fabulous. I can't overemphasize how important I think this would be for you to look at. And you can literally take it and you can read it in just a few minutes. It's like having the front page news if you want it, uh, but you're having it from that perspective. So I challenge you uh, to get that or just come get it right now. Whatever you'd like uh, would be great. App versions, uh, uversion.com, uh, which Alan went through a while ago, which is a great one. Uh, matter of fact, all my notes are on that. Um, I remember a lady came and complained one time that there were too many people on the phone during the service. Uh, well, some of them are actually looking at the notes and looking at Scripture. So uh, God bless you. Um, I, you know, I have to do something real quick. I, I want to apologize for any of the times that I've said something that you think, oh, you know what, I can't email him. I can't send me anything because, you know, he just, he's not even going to receive it. He's not going to say it. You can always email your questions, email your complaints, criticisms, whatever you want you're welcome to, trust me, plenty of people do, so you can too. You are a part of the church. You can say what you want. You can send what you want, okay? I, I want you to know I'm always open to receive that. Now, I get to say what I want back to you, though, okay? It's a two-week deal, but I want you to know you are always welcome to do that. So, right now, media, uh, Alan went through this before. Uh, this is kind of the Netflix, like I said, of, of Christianity, and this is a subscription that we paid for as a church. Now, as a member, you can use for free. 
And so it, on any source, anything, if it was parenting, if it was marriage, if it, I want to understand Revelation, I want to understand end times, whatever you want, you can go on there and put that in and you'll either have a video, an article, uh, whatever you want. Great, great resource. Parent Cube. Now, this is another one. This is one you can do on, on an app. You just go in your search, put Parent Q, and for every age, starting from birth to 18, it'll say, okay, this is what your child is dealing with, and this is what they're thinking, and this is what you ought to consider, and then here's a biblical passage to, to consider to go with that. So it, it's, if your child turns from you know, 3 to 4, from 12 to 13, every year, there's one for 1, 2, 3, 4, and it's a free app on your phone, and you can see that. Matter of fact, Dustin uses a lot of that, uh, and matter of fact, Christy does too. Uh, next door, and there's some books, but start off with the app. Great opportunity. Devotionals for Children, the Jesus Storybook Bible uh, by Sally Lloyd-Jones. This is uh, one that we used with our children multiple times. We went through it. Then after your children turn about eight, this might be a a little bit better resource from about eight to 12, uh, the gospel story through the Bible. This is 178 Bible stories all the way through the Bible uh, that you can do in just a couple minutes for your child each day. So uh, that's another great uh, opportunity, another great resource. Uh, then there is the long story short, which is same author, spiritual disciplines. Uh, Donald Whitney and Dallas Willard have written excellent books on spiritual disciplines. But uh, Richard Foster was the one that I read when I was in college, and it was transformational for me. Understanding what are the spiritual disciplines, how do you practice them. And so I just think that's a, a great, great book. Any of those three, uh, they all have books. Matter of fact, I think all their books are called Spiritual Disciplines. So uh, if you any of those three, I'd highly recommend. Authors, if you're just looking for authors, C.S. Lewis. Uh, you just, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've got to read some C.S. Lewis. Um, and then Philip Yancey is a great modern writer. Uh, it's particularly on topics of death and dying and suffering and depression and discouragement. Uh, he writes some excellent material on that. Uh, theologians, Craig Keener and N.T. Wright. Um, Keener's just a first-class theologian. Uh, Wright is too. I know he's controversial, uh, but he, he makes you think, makes you read, makes you study. Preachers, Robert Smith, whom I've told you before, I think is the best preacher in America, so that's why we have him come every year. Uh, we have him come every year in January. So that you can hear great preaching. And then hopefully he'll come back the rest of the year too. So, uh, no, he's, he's terrific. I, I love him and I just think he does a tremendous job. Then J.D. Greer, who is another young pastor. Um, I call him young. He's 45. Over in North Carolina. Haddon Robinson, just a great saint of faith. Died uh, just a couple of years ago. Just tremendous uh, theologian. Was at DTS, president of Denver Seminary, and Gordon Conwell, just great man. Then Tony Evans, uh, most of you are familiar with Tony Evans, a tremendous preacher. Then apologetics, some of you were asking about this. William Lane Craig, uh, he's the Mac Daddy, okay, but he's really deep, really heavy, very intellectual. He's got a website you can go to called reasonablefaith.org. Encourage you to check that out. Uh, matter of fact, here's something you've heard me say this before, but uh, Dawkins. Uh, Richard Dawkins, who writes all the books on atheism, God is not great, and why you can't trust the Bible, uh, he will not debate William Lane Craig, refuses to debate him. Now, he debates a lot of other people, but he will not debate William Lane Craig. What does that tell you? Number two, Tim Keller, many of you are familiar with him, great guy, Lee Strobel. If you want a simple apologetic, kind of entry level, uh, he's got something called the Case of Christ, Case for the Creator, 
case for faith. Simple. You can read it in about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Um, you, matter of fact, if you've got a 13 on up, 13-year-old on up, great, simple read, great place to start for apologetics. So I wanted you to have those resources. Uh, a lot of that you were, being a, you were asking about for surveys. Those are, those are the ones that I trust and that I, I love. Uh, those are my four favorite preachers. And I uh, can't say enough about uh, all of them and about taking advantage of those opportunities and, and uh, fueling your heart and filling your mind for Christ so that you might become what he intended. So we're going to talk about becoming right now. <clears throat> we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2 in just a moment, but I want us to understand something. This word becoming, uh, the, the theological word for becoming is this. It's sanctification. Sanctification. Now, we, I don't typically use that word a lot because people don't always know what it means. Uh, but when we're talking about salvation, there is a three-part process to salvation. And let me tell you what they are. The first one is justification. Justification. When you transfer your trust from what you could do or anything else to what Christ has done through the death, burial, and resurrection, as you do that by faith, an act of grace is bestowed upon you, you are justified. You are justified instantaneously you are justified. You have been made clean and righteous before God. Your sins have been covered and you have been cleansed. And when God looks at you, you are justified. So a picture to maybe help us understand it. Uh, just assume you were, had an enormous amount of debt and you weren't paying your bills. And you were using money you didn't have to pay those bills. And finally it all caught up to you. And you're uh, going before the courts, and you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be serving time, and you're never going to be able to pay this debt off. And someone paid it for you. They said, all right, I'm paying your debt. It's all clean. It's all cleared. All the penalties are taken care of. You would be justified that, before the courts at that point because all your debts have been paid. All your bills have been paid. So that's what, when we receive the gospel, when we receive the grace of God, the salvation, as we transfer our trust to Christ, we are immediately justified. Our debts have been cleansed. They've been exonerated. And we stand as justified before God. That happens instantaneously. Now, the second step is what we're talking about now, sanctification. What is sanctification? Now, um, sanctification, just to help you understand it a little bit, it literally means uh, to be used for its intended design, particularly with, for God to use you for your intended design. This is what you were intended to be. This is your intended design. So let me give you an illustration. This is a pen. And with this pen, I can do a lot of things. I can scratch my head. I can poke my son. Uh, I can use it to try to, fit, to, to poke holes in a box. I can do whatever I want to with this, okay? But that's not its intended purpose. And it doesn't work that well. And if I continually try to poke things with it, eventually it's not going to work. What it was designed to do, what it was set apart to do, was to write. An instrument of writing. That was its design purpose. It's been set apart to be a writing. You've been set apart, called out by God. You've been sanctified for his design. You've been creating his design to bring him glory. To be a saint of glory. That's what you've been designed to be. And when we are obedient and we follow the voice of the Lord, we are operating in the design for which we were created. 
We are sanctification. Now, there's two aspects of sanctification to catch this. You are positionally sanctified once you trust Christ. Positionally, you are viewed in that manner. But practically, you have to live it out, work it out. We're going to see that in just a moment in Scripture. You work that out. You live that out. There's an activity on your part. Uh, So sometimes people get into this debate, well, is it all God or is it all man? Well, first of all, you can't be saved on your own. That's the antithesis of the gospel. But let me say this. Yes, it's all God, and you have a responsibility. Okay? How does that work? I don't exactly understand, but I know it's true. All right? So when we understand that, that's sanctification. We have a practical and a positional. And ultimately, that last part of salvation, I've been justified, sanctified. I will be glorified. That's when God will take me for home to be home forever in heaven in his presence, and I am glorified glorification. So justification happens at salvation. Sanctification, I'm living it out. Matter of fact, maybe you heard it this way. I've been saved from the penalty of my sin. I'm being saved from the power of sin. One day I'll be glorified and I'll be saved from the presence of sin. Okay? Do you understand it? Justification, sanctification, glorification. And we're living right here in the sanctification because we've been justified and we will be glorified. But in the meantime, we are practically, positionally, I'm sanctified, but practically, I have to live it out. All right? So, now, are you ready for the sermon? Okay, let's move on to Scripture. Let's look at our passage of Scripture here. And have this mind among you yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through me was in the form of God. Excuse me. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. Now, this, this is a perfect picture of the working it out, how the, the, the perfect God of the universe who came to this earth and lived a perfect life, how he humbled himself and became obedient. That's the working it out. Was he already God? Yes. Was he already fully man? Yes. Was he already the Savior? Yes. But he worked it out by humbling himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Continues, therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then catch this verse. Therefore, my beloved, as you always have obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out practical sanctification, practical becoming. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence and humility. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what does it mean to work out my salvation. Well, it's the aspect of practical sanctification. And I want us to look at some things that we can do to have that sanctification process occurring in our lives on a continual basis. Because that's what God meant for it to be. It's not a one-time event. It's a journey. It's a continual act. So, with that understood, I think there's three things we need to understand. Number one, we need, to, uh, we need to seek understanding. We need to understand the gospel and the story of the Bible. Number two, we need to practice spiritual disciplines. And number three, we need to trust in the power 
of the gospel. So let's start with seeking understanding. Seeking understanding. Understanding the biblical narrative. What is that? The Bible as a whole. What is the Bible as a whole teaching us? What is it communicating to us? Well, to, to make it real simple, we'll put it in four words, okay? The first one is this, creation. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. God created mankind. God created everything in the beginning. He's always been, will always be. He is eternal. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. In the beginning, God, creation. He created this earth. He created in perfect fashion. Everything was provided. Everything that was needed uh, was there. It was a fully functioning ecosystem that mankind could live on forever. But then comes number two, the fall. See, God was the king. He was the creator. He was the ultimate Lord. But man sinned. He chose to disobey and tried to make himself, that's what's going on in the garden, himself king, where he is the one in control. And through his corruption, through his sin, we see the fall of mankind. Particularly as you read the Bible, sometimes people go, why are those horrid stories in there? Well, it's not a prescription for you to do it. It's a picture of the fall. It's a picture of what happens when we go our own direction and we leave God out of the equation and we go and, and we follow the lust of the flesh. So there was a creation, then there was the fall. But then the third step is this, it's redemption. Jesus came that we might be redeemed. He might redeem us through being justified, sanctified, and ultimately glorified. So Jesus redeems. He forgives our sins. He's redeemed mankind for all who will put their trust and faith in him so that we might be restored into the image of God, into the position of justification as God's child forever into eternity. So that's what we want to know. We want to understand that scripture. So I'm reading the Bible. Here's the creation. Here's the fall. Here's the redemption. And it ultimately leads to restoration for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now the gospel. Now how do I understand the, God, the salvation message that we're talking about? Let me give you four words again. First of all, God. God. And when I say God, I mean the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity. God the Father. The Father is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. When I say God, when I say Jesus, I mean God. When I say Holy Spirit, I mean God. When I say Father, I mean God. That's what we call the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I understand that Jesus, God, came to this earth. He lived the life that I should have lived and died the death that I should have died. Okay, There is a God, and Jesus is a part of the Trinity, the triune God. Number two, man. God created us. He created us for his glory, for his pleasure. And man came in, but man sinned, as we talked about a while ago. So man needed a Savior. So Jesus came, and he gave his life to pay for our sins because of a holy God. The only way we could be justified was having our sins paid for, and Jesus paid the price that we could never pay. We could never pay that debt. So now it becomes, what will our response be to Christ? the offer of salvation, the offer of the gospel. All right, so we want to understand those. Those are very important. So once I understand, then, then I can look at the spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines. Now, what are spiritual disciplines? Here's the definition for you. Spiritual disciplines are the habits of devotion and practices that are found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. 
Spiritual disciplines are the habits of devotion and practice that are found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. Now, the best way for me to probably explain this to you, uh, when I was a kid, I always loved playing baseball. And I played as a child all the way till I got to high school. And then when I got to high school, um, I realized I had this great coach. His name was uh, Coach Ron Roy, terrific coach. I realized that uh, I only thought I, I was getting better. I only thought that I really knew how to play. I realized there were so many different facets of the game that I never really understood. I was a decent hitter, but I remember one of my coaches telling me one day, he said, you know, you know, you hit a lot of balls to right field. I think your hands are kind of slow, so you got to work on getting your hands quicker. So that's what I thought. I got, I got slow hands. That's what I always thought. I got to high school, and, and Coach Roy said, no, your hands are fine. You're actually pretty quick. It's your feet. You have feet problems. You're, you're not using your lower body, and you're not stepping into the ball. And you know what happened? He, he had all these different drills. He had we had baseballs on strings, hitting them. We were hitting them up against the wall. He had three different pitch machines. We would, I would take 400 swings a day uh, in a three-hour practice. And all different ways, we would hit the ball. We would do drills. And I, what happened is, all of a sudden, I began to get better and better and better. And by the end of the season, by dedicating and, and, and just really giving them all that, I had the highest batting average on the team uh, by my junior, end of my junior year. Now, I can tell you none of those things would have happened if I hadn't had him and I was just going out like I had before and just go, I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to swing real hard. You know what I mean? I I wasn't ready to hit a curveball. I wasn't ready to hit an off-speed pitch. I wasn't ready for any of those things. Why? Because I would not gone through the drills and through the practice and the disciplines to prepare myself for what was coming my way. That's the picture of spiritual disciplines. So when we think about these practices, it's not that spiritual disciplines automatically make you holy. They're not, a, uh, they're not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can work through them. We're putting ourselves in a position to grow. Obviously, they're important because Jesus practiced them. Uh, they're important to grow, and they're important uh, to connect with Christ. So these are all extremely important So let's look at what the spiritual disciplines are. Uh, Number one, personal development disciplines. So these are some personal development, things that you do on your own, in other words. Prayer, meditation, study, and fasting. Prayer. If we're going to grow in our faith, we have to pray. We have to learn to pray. What's that meditation? Well, uh, just like a while ago, maybe some of you stood, or maybe there have been times where there's something you're struggling with, you can get Scripture, and you can memorize it in and you can begin to ingrain in your mind where you begin to think about that. Just You know how sometimes a song gets stuck in your head? What if you had a scripture get stuck in your head? A scripture like something of the nature, For my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm worried that my needs are not going to be met. I'm worried that something's not going to happen. And I begin to meditate and let that flow through my mind. And then, of course, fasting and study, the importance of studying God's Word, that workmen need not be ashamed, that rightly divides the Word of truth. These are important disciplines. Again, do they make you godly? No, but it's how the Spirit comes in. So here's the best way for us to understand this, okay? How does this transformation occur? Um, Right now, if I just said, go to sleep, could you do that? I mean, if I keep talking, some of you will be able to do that pretty soon, but just go to sleep. No, it doesn't work that way. I can't just go to sleep instantaneously. You can't just tell me to go to sleep and I go to sleep. What do I do? If I want to go to sleep, here's what I do. I go to my house, turn off the lights, get in my bed. Maybe I turn on a fan. Maybe it's soft music. I get still. I close my eyes. And sleep will eventually come. 
I don't make myself, but I put myself in a position to sleep. That's what spiritual disciplines do. They put yourself in a position for the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life. Number two, disciplines to the body of Christ. Submission, stewardship, service. That's one of the reasons that we come and serve. Last week, we served. Uh, At the end of this time, we will have an offering time where you, you give. And that is a discipline. That's the way God designed us. It is a discipline to the body of Christ. And then thirdly, there are disciplines with the body of Christ. In other words, we do this together. We came together today to worship. You know, I, um, a lot of times people say, well, I'll just stay home and listen to it online. You're not worshiping. You're not being part of community. What you're doing is you're just gathering information at that point. You're gathering information. That's not a terrible thing, but it's not the best thing. It's not a discipline. It's not the way God designed it. That's an extra that's not in place of. So worship is a spiritual discipline. Community, living in community with other believers, celebration, and confession. These are all important disciplines. Again, I gave you the, the books that you can study more deeply, and I would encourage you to pick one of those up, uh, and that, I'm sure, would help immensely. So we see three things again. Number one, <clears throat> for my practical sanctification, I need to understand the Bible and the, and the gospel itself. Number two, practice spiritual disciplines. Number three, trust in the power of the gospel. Trust in the power of the gospel. So, let me explain it to you this way. Let me, let me show you something here. Um, I got a picture here I want to show you. Um, if anybody... This is an old icebox. Matter of fact, my, my dad told me this was from night. He remember, it was night. Well, he doesn't remember. He wasn't alive then. But it was, it, it was uh, they got it. His grandfather got it in 1919. It's now in my house. And matter of fact, my dad was saying they would either bring a 50 or 100-pound block of ice, and then they would stick it in there. They would cut it and stick it. They'd stick it in. They, they'd come around about once a week. And then that was your refrigeration because they, they didn't have any electricity. Now, I asked Last hour, some people raised their hand if you had one of these, and a couple people did, so I'm not going to do that because uh, then everybody's thinking, you didn't have electricity. You, you, you grew up with one of those. But anyway, here's the story about that. So uh, my dad, when he didn't have at his home, he didn't have any electricity to his 15 years old. They didn't have electricity. He lived out in rural Louisiana. And then his grandfather, my great-grandfather, I mean, that, my dad lived in the sticks, but my great-grandfather he lived in the stinking swamp. I mean, it, it was out there in way in the sticks. Like, I always kind of got scared when we went out there. And my great-grandfather said, I, I don't need it. We don't need electricity. So they're bringing electricity, and they say, all you have to do is pay to have your house wired. You will just wire your house. We're running all the lines out here. And so my, 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 mom, my dad's parents, they did it, and everybody around them had it. But you go a couple miles down the road, my, my, my great-grandfather, not nuts, we don't need that. We don't need it. My dad was able to get a deep freeze. <laughs> they could put stuff in. They had lights. So, I mean, this is a big deal. And my, grandfather's, my, great, my great-grandfather says, nope, don't want it. Don't need it. Why? Because did he believe it wasn't real? No, he's real. He saw the lights on everybody else's house. Did he think that it, it couldn't be done, that he wasn't worthy? Nope, he knew he could. He just didn't see the need. Why do you need all this electricity? What's the big deal? People lived all their life without electricity out here. You know what? That's a picture of what we look like if we come to Christ and we go, I don't need to practice all that stuff. 
Yes, I know, but I'm, I'm good just like I am. I don't need the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through me. I don't need to put myself in the position where I can connect with Christ, where I can hear his voice and I can obey his command. I'm good. I'm fine. That's like saying, I don't really need electricity. I'll be fine. I'll be great. I don't think anybody will come visit you, but that, that's fine if you want to live that way. But what about your children, by the way? You would say that you think, that's crazy. Why would you want to live without the power of electricity? And I would ask you, why would you want to live without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? You don't want to. But remember, there are always two entities, two voices. There's the one that says, who's the evil one, who says, you don't need it. You're good. You're fine. Check the box and move on. Don't waste your time. You're good. And the Spirit of Christ said, follow me. Listen. Obey. Be still and know that I am God. Let me embrace you. Let me lead you. You're good. Forget this junk. You don't need it. You're fine. You're busy. There's always two spirits competing for your soul. They can't take your salvation, but, they sure, but if you choose, you can let yourself become a benign Christian. Why would you want to live like that? There was a king one time, and this king had a daughter and a son. And one day he looked out from his palace, and he saw his daughter gathering these flowers, and he wondered who she was gathering for. And then he saw the royal ribbons and the royal colors that were used to wrap and to place before the king. And she reali- he realized, she's gathering those for me. But while she was doing it, she was picking up weeds. She was picking up flowers and weeds. She was picking up all these things that weren't that attractive, but they were just all there, and she didn't know the difference, and she she was wrapping them up to bring to her father. But while she was doing that, he called his oldest son. He said, son, as soon as you see her leave, why don't you run out and pick just some of the flowers and then bring them in, and after a while, uh, we'll just replace hers with those, and uh, she she won't have to feel embarrassed, and uh, she'll be pleased, and we'll all be pleased. So that's exactly what she did. As soon as he saw she was finishing, the oldest son went out and picked a big bun of those flowers, ran in and wrapped them up. <clears throat> and as the little girl was bringing them for her dad, the king, she brought those flowers, and she brought those weeds. She brought that grass and, those, and then the dirt, and she started to place it before him. And he beamed, and he said, thank you so much. And he gave her a big hug. And while he was hugging his daughter, His son replaced the weeds and the dirt and those flowers with the bouquet of flowers that were beautiful, that were perfect. And she was so proud and so impressed and so grateful that she had been able to give her dad such a beautiful gift. And her dad marveled at the beauty of the gift. That's exactly what God has done for us. We have picked weeds in our life. We picked up dirt in our life. But there are some beautiful flowers that Christ can take and he can pull our weeds out and he can take the beautiful flowers of sanctification, our offerings unto him, our service unto him, our worship unto him, and they are made beautiful and pure before the king. What a great picture. First of all, do you know him? Number two, are you providing an atmosphere in your life that you can receive the power of the spirit to flow through you and to sanctify you? Not just positionally, but in practice. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Lord, I pray for anybody this morning who has not come to that place where they believe you are the Savior. Lord, I pray that you would draw them today. And God, for those who are believers, but Father, have strayed away or have become lackadaisical. Lord, today I pray that you would uh, convict them to have understanding, to practice the spiritual disciplines. And to believe in the power of the gospel that flows through us. The power of the spirit that flows because of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. As we rely, as we put our faith and trust in you. God, thank you for this opportunity. Draw those to you in the name of Jesus who need to come. Amen.